We're in our series called Sweat, Sweat Equity. And the idea behind this series was that Pastor John uh, wants our church to look more like his gym, which I find hilarious because whenever we talk about his gym, he refers to it as a concentration camp and, ta- and calls his, his trainer either Hitler or Darth Vader. Um, so if that's the type of church you want to be a part of, welcome. Um, if you're new here today, I'm sorry. Uh, we, we have very different gyms. Uh, my gym is probably one of the chillest places I've ever been in my entire life. Uh, it, it, it's one of those controversial places that you either love or you hate. I, I happen to love it. It's called Planet Fitness. You may have heard of this place. I, yeah, I heard that over there. Um, it, it's really great. It, it's super chill. It has everything I need. It's super cheap. Uh, and so that's why I go there. But it's controversial. It's well known because it's, it's known as a judgment-free zone. Uh, and it has a no critics policy. And it, essentially it's one of those places that you, you can't really tell anyone that they're working, like they're using the machine improperly. Uh, or you can't tell them that they're like, they're going to hurt their back if they keep lifting that way. Uh, it, it, it creates, apparently, an unsafe, unhealthy environment where people feel embarrassed. Um, so this is what you get, usually. Um, <laughs> it's my favorite. Uh, <laughs> no shame. No shame, guys. And I know you're thinking this is ridiculous, but I love my gym. I, mostly because it's just so chill. But I... I'm really excited that I get to share this with you uh, and and that this is our series because I believe that we all have a story when it comes to to sports or working out or not working out or whatever that might be. Um, And some stories are are really positive and some are less so. And and I have one that I'd like to share with you today. Um, And so we're going to step back in in Jonathan's life uh, to a long time ago, back when if I went to the beach, a friend once referred, looked at me and exclaimed, wow, Jonathan, you're kind of, sort of buff. And that was a time when that would have sounded more insulting than a nice exaggeration of my current physical form. Um, this is about 12 years ago. I, I, was in, I was starting high school, and I was going into my freshman year, and I, I had always played sports. I, I'd, growing up, I played soccer and baseball. I despised baseball with a distinct passion, but my dad loved it, so I kept playing because my dad loved it. And, but I, when I got into high school, I, 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 was about, I was about to start, and I split my kneecap in half dirt biking. And so I, I know, I, I, I couldn't run for a couple months, and I was never a really great runner in the first place, and then I had like this awkward hobble for the next like three years. It was great. Um, Super attractive, guys. I, but I, I couldn't play soccer for that first year. I couldn't try it for the team. I, could, I would not play baseball. Like, I refused. And so I was in PE, uh, high school PE, which slowly was killing my soul. And for two weeks, I was in high school PE. And no offense to any PE teachers. I just, I couldn't do it. I, I was, I, no. Um, and so we are, I'm, I'm in my PE class. And my friend Chase, I noticed he hadn't been to PE class in a couple weeks or in a couple of days, and I see him, and he comes over, and he's like, dude, you should, you should join the wrestling team. That's what I did. And I'm like, really? Like, why? And, and this is the pitch that he gave. It, it was the most convincing thing in the world. 
This is what got me to join wrestling. Dude, you get to beat the crap out of people, and it's totally okay. Like, I'm like, sign me up. Yes. That's exactly what I was looking for, guys. And so, you know, uh, I, I joined wrestling. And, and I, I'm a little bitter uh, still because I'll always be grateful and I'll always love Chase for, for introducing me to wrestling. But he told me that I got to beat the crap out of people. And, but he didn't tell me that you actually have to be good at wrestling to, to do that. <laughs> I had never wrestled in my life. And so you could probably assume I was the one on the other side of, of that argument. Um, and so by now you're probably wondering why I'm sharing this story of young buff Jonathan uh, who probably wore so much more spandex than anyone else in this room ever has. Uh, and, and, and it's because during that first year of high school, I learned something. I, I learned something that I, I still hold on to today. And so, like I said, I, I've always played sports, uh, but I was, never the, I was never the absolute worst on the team. But I can count on one finger how many times I've been one of the best on a team. It, it's one. Um, just, just for all of you who were slow there. Um, but I always played soccer, and I always played baseball. Those are my two sports. And on, in soccer and baseball, you can usually hide your, your weak players or your weaknesses in the team. When I joined wrestling, though, I, I quickly learned you can't really hide your, your weaknesses. And it, it's just you on the mat. Like, it's still technically a team sport. Like, if I could win, I could win a match and earn points for my team... But when it came down to it, when I was actually doing the thing, when I'm on the mat against one other person, it's just me and that one other person. And, and I, I loved it because, like, if I won, it was all me, baby. <laughs> I hated it because if, if I lost, it was all me. Like, that was the worst. Uh. So a after a few weeks of, of wrestling, of being in practice, of learning the basics, I found out that my, my team was going to have our first duel. We were going we to face another school for the first time. And I was on the fresh off team, the freshman and sophomore team. And I, I was really excited and really nervous because I was the only one in my weight class. So I got to wrestle. And I went to tell my uncle, who used to be a really good wrestler in high school, and we... Um, he showed me how to do this really great move called the head throw. It's where you take someone's head and you throw it over your body. Head throw. We're super creative in, in wrestling. Uh, and so he showed me how to do this move. And it, it was a really cool move. And I was really excited because I, my coaches had not shown anyone on the team this yet. Like Nobody else on my team knew this move. Uh, and we are... I'm wrestling. I know I'm wrestling on, in the match, in the duel. And... So I, I, start, I start practicing, and we're, we're a little ways out. And as we get closer, I'm, I'm really excited, but I start getting nervous. And by the time we're like a week away, I'm just a wreck. I'm a, I'm a nervous wreck. I, I, I'm not eating because wrestling. And by the time we get to that day, that final day, I'm, I'm really anxious. I'm, I'm excited. I'm nervous. I've never done this before. I've got all the emotions of a, of a freshman teenager. And... I, like, I, I go to weigh in, I start my day, I, I go to weigh in, I, I, I make weight, I go grab food, because again, I was starving myself 
like wrestling. It's great. Uh, put your kids in it. Um, but then I, 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 go, I go to to train with my team, warm up, we're, we're starting to warm up, and, and finally the match starts. And I'm, I think, fifth in line. And I'm waiting for the announcer to call my name to, to get up on the mat, and I, I'm nervous. And, and it's just a blur. And so I hear my name, I get up, the, I, the ref tells me, shake the other guy's hand, and my hand's like this, because I'm like, I, I can't hold it straight. So the guy's like, there we go, I got your hand. And so we shake hands. We get in our stances, and the whistle blows. We lock up. Uh, his head's over here, my head's over here, and we lock up. And I start to feel him push against me. And, and my uncle taught me when he starts to push against you, that means his weight's coming towards you, and you've got the leverage. you got the momentum. You can do the move now. So I think, okay, I can do the head throw. Head throw. And I, I throw him over my body. He lands on his back. I somehow land on top of him. It's a miracle. And I land on top of him. And after a few seconds, I hear, and a whistle. I can't whistle, otherwise I'd whistle for you. Uh, but I hear the whistle, and the, the hand smack the mat, signaling a pin. And so we stand up. I walk over to the center. We shake hands again. And, and the ref raises my hand in the air. And that is the moment I fell in love with wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> When I realized that in my matches, I didn't have to rely on anyone else. And I, I, couldn't, I couldn't blame anyone else. And this, in a lot of ways, this is exactly how I've thought about faith for a good chunk of my adult life. I haven't had to rely on anyone else. And I didn't have to blame anyone else. I couldn't blame anyone else. It's this idea that Jesus cares about what's in my heart. That uh, it's all about my individual relationship with Jesus. And he died so I could go to heaven. And, and this, is a, this is a really strong idea in, I, in I think, our, our culture. But this is how I believed faith worked for the majority of my adult life. Or not adult life, my, like, young adult life. <laughs> like, not now. Uh, and, and, and hear me, it is totally important. It's necessary. We, personal salvation and faith, is essential to, to our, 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 our belief in Jesus. Like, that's what we believe as followers of Jesus. But there, there's, there's something more. I, I think that it is part of our theology. And, and we're going we're gonna to talk a little bit about this today. But, um, but I think even our own faith journeys, they're, they're not just ours, Right? There are so many people that have contributed to those faith journeys. So we're going to talk about that a little bit today. Um, let me tell you now, I never won another wrestling match quite that fast ever again. Uh, and and I, I, I just couldn't keep doing the same moves over and over again, right? Like I couldn't keep doing the same move over and over again. I had to practice and, and learn new techniques. I had to get better. I had to partner with people. And, and, and that was essential. Like, I, even though it's an individual team sport, like, I was out there on my own. I, every wrestler needs a team. We need teammates. We need people that will make us better. And so, I think the Bible understands this too, and it's in its own faith context. I think the Bible understands that we need people to make us better. In Proverbs uh, 27, 17, it says, As iron sharpens iron... So one person sharpens another. And we don't really 
look at this too often right now in its, in it, in its original context when it was talking about swords, uh, because we don't use swords right now, at least I hope not. Uh, but you wouldn't just pick up a random stone off the ground and start like trying to sharpen your sword. You, you would dull the blade, you would notch it, you would, you would ruin it. And, and in the same way, I don't think we can just use programs to, to strengthen, to sharpen, to, to make people better. I think you need people to make people better. And, and not all people will make you better. Hear, hear that now? Like, not everyone will, will be the person that's going to sharpen you. They might be more like silly putty that, like, like it does nothing. Um, or it's like a jagged rock that will kind of break you and break your spirit like P.E. did for me. Um, but the good news, the beautiful news about this is that we were all made in the image of God. That God's image is, is imprinted on every human life. And so when we are in community with each other, that, I think that's what makes us, that's what, what allows us to make each other better. It's not just because we're humans and humans are the best things on the planet, because we know that's not true. Uh, but I, I, think, I think that it's because God's image is imprinted on our, on our souls, is imprinted in our very beings. And when we are in community with each other, we are in community with God. We are... We are dwelling with God in that moment. We are experiencing, encountering God in those moments when we are in community. Hebrews 10.24 has, a, has another, another way of, uh, of seeing this, and it says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Paul tells us elsewhere that God prepared good works for us to do before. And, and I but here, he's telling us we need to motivate each other. We need to think of ways to motivate each other to acts of love, to good works. And I think this is what we do in our communities. This is what we do in church. We don't just have programs. Uh, that, that's not what encourages or motivates one another. We, we motivate one another to these acts of good works through other means, through, through our community, through our interaction with each other. And finally, uh, when we come to Acts, we, we are encountering the first Christians, the, the people right after the, the resurrection of Jesus. He has just spoken to them, uh, and then Paul just spoke to them, and, and now we have an example of the first church. And it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. All, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. Again, I think the earliest Christians understood this to be of the utmost importance. And I know you've all heard sermons about community before. And so we're, we're going to go a little, bit, a little bit deeper, just maybe one, one more layer uh, deeper than that. And I want to ask you a question like, what is your role in community? And I don't, I'm not talking about volunteerism. I'm not talking about calling. I'm not asking you where you serve or what you do in your community. I'm asking, what is your role in community? Just like iron sharpening iron, how do you sharpen each other? How do you, how do you produce the best versions of each other? 
How do you motivate one another to good works and acts of love? I think that's how we participate in and contribute to community. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 5. We'll get there in just a moment. But I told you last time I was, I was, uh, I was here teaching that Apostle Paul is really hard for me sometimes. Like he's got that irksome uh, habit of defending his, uh, his authority as an apostle of Jesus. But in, in, as I've spent the last two weeks reading 1 Thessalonians, I, I just fell in love with this letter. I fell in love with it because he doesn't really do that very, very much. He doesn't spend a, a ton of time defending his authority as an apostle. And, and he has that authority. Like, that, that's, that's there. But this letter reads more like an encouragement, an encouraging letter to his children and his friends. There's not much exhortation here. There's just a lot of encouragement. There, there just aren't really any of Paul's signature snarkiness or sass or like super crazy heady theology like in Romans. You just, you just get a lot of really good wisdom and uh, words of guidance to, to the people that Paul loves. And, and, and in this letter, there's a theme of thanksgiving. Paul is encouraged by them and seeks to encourage them further. And, and there, are three, uh, there are three moments here. Uh, and, and in the sports metaphor, I believe Paul would be something more akin to a, like our coach. There, there are three, three moments where I think he's imparting the most crucial pieces of practice for us. The, the most crucial points of, of uh, that he wants us to, to learn and get better at. Or to at least understand. The first of these appears in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 1. And he says, brothers and sisters, we instructed you how to live in order to please God, as in fact you are living. Now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more. And then a few verses later, he says, Now about your love for one another, we do not need to write to you. For you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. And in fact, you do love all of God's family throughout Macedonia. Yet we urge you, brothers and sisters, to do so more and more. Finally, a, verse, a chapter later, in verse 11 of chapter 5, he says this. He says, therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as, in fact, you are doing. And these three statements are all linked by this one phrase, just as, in fact, you are doing. Just as you are doing. They're all linked by that one phrase. And there's a pattern here. And... and and I think that, uh, that, that there's no, like, I, I looked it up, and there's no real textual significance to this, this one little line. There's no, like, there's, it's super common in the, in the New Testament. You see it all over the place. That this phrase, just as you are doing, isn't super significant. Not a lot of theologians have found it very important. And so there's no reason that I feel like I should be drawn to this, or that I should have felt that I should have been drawn to this. But for some reason, I was. And, and I, again, as I spent the last couple weeks thinking through this, I, I've come to realize, it, I find this significant because I think that this is, this is a letter for Living Spring. Just as you are doing. Live in order to please God. Love each other, all of God's family. 
encourage one another, and build each other up, just as you are doing. Living Spring, I, I think this letter is for us. I think we're, we're doing good. Like, we are, we are fine as a, as a church. We're, we're not experiencing horrendous uh, immoral failure or scandal, I hope. Um, we're, we're not tearing ourselves from the inside out. We're, 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 I think we're doing well. There, we've seen new people come by almost every week. And we're, we're well-known and well-respected by our community, our church, our, our city, But if you leave here today only hearing that, only hearing that we're good, like Paul sent us the nice letter, like did you see the one he sent to Calvary Chapel? Like yikes. If that's all you hear, I've done you a disservice. Like we're, we haven't hit it yet. Um, I think the critical message here comes one line after the just as you are doing. I think it comes right after that. In the first two verses, we see, we see Paul uh, say, we urge you, brothers and sister, sisters, to do so more and more. We urge you, brothers and sisters, to live in order to please God more and more. We urge you, brothers and sisters, to love each other more and more. This line, though, is incredibly and, and loudly absent from that third verse. It, I think we're supposed to notice that it's, that it's not there, that it's missing. Paul set a pattern. He has, he has all these lines matching, except for that one last piece in, in verse 11. And, and again, I, I was confused. I, 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 don't, I didn't know why, uh, and I still don't know, know why, but I, I, I have an, a hypothesis. Um, in chapter 5, my verse, uh, or my Bible, breaks up the sections. It, it has like this whole section in chapter 5, and then it breaks it off and says the following verses are just closing remarks. These are Paul's signature. Um, like, God bless Jonathan on an email. That's, that's what I would write. And that, that's what a lot of people say Paul's doing. But as I read it, I, I don't think that's the case. I think verses 12 to 18 are meant to go with verse 11. And so we're going to read that right now, but I I think that Paul is trying to tell us, this is how you encourage one another better. This is how you do the thing. So let's go ahead and read verse 12 to 18. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard and love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive. Encourage the disheartened. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong. But always strive to do what is good for each other and everyone else. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now you may read this and not feel at all settled on what Paul is wanting you to do. I think that's, that's good. It means you're actually listening to the text because he doesn't tell you anything specific. There, this is not, there's nothing here specific. He's basically just saying, recognize those who work hard by caring for and correcting you. Live in peace with others in God's family. Call those who are lazy, disruptive, and divisive 
to something better. Encourage the discouraged, help the weak, be patient with everyone, don't pay back wrong for wrong, always strive to do good for each other. None of this is specific. I think Paul trusts us to understand what he says and apply it in our context. I have a Bible professor who used to love to tell us, the Bible thinks you're smart. So prove it right. <laughs> but the Bible thinks you're smart. It, it, it assumes that you can understand what, what it's saying and apply it. So we'll, we'll come back to this. But, but I, I want to take us back to that story of my wrestling prowess for a moment. Um, after, my, after my moment of victory, that, that exhilarating, exhilarating moment where my hand was raised over my head, my team went crazy. My team, my team was so excited because none of them expected me to win, let alone pin the guy in 10 seconds. By the way, it was 10 seconds. Yeah, that's right. That's, mm-hmm. um, but none of them expected me to do that. And so they, like, they charged the mat. This never really happens, but they charged the mat. I got tons of hugs, high fives, those awkward butt slaps that, that like, athletes give. It's really weird. Um, but then my, my coach walks out, and my coach walks over to me, He shakes my hand, he congratulates me, and then he says something I will never forget. He says, good job. Never do that move again. (laughs) I'm just like, what? (laughs) I was so sad. Uh, And Coach Brown, by the way, Coach Brown is one of the best coaches I've ever had in any sport ever. And, and, And the reason he said that is because he he knows that that's a risky move. It's one that is easily turned on me. On an, on a, by, by any skilled opponent, it would be easily reversed. But I didn't know that. I was just bummed in the moment. And, and Coach Brown brought me over, uh, and he, he introduced me to this guy, Tim. And he tells us, he's like, okay, you two work together, uh, learn new techniques, do, uh, like get better together. This is, you guys are going to be partners. And long story short, Tim became one of my best friends all throughout high school. My best friend throughout high school. And the thing you have to know about Tim is while I was technically a better wrestler, I'd been in wrestling for like a week longer than him, which was like double our time. Um, Tim is like the most fit dude I have ever met in my entire life. Like this this guy has muscles on his muscles. It's physically a lot... physiologically impossible, but he has a 12-pack. I don't understand how this happens, but this guy is ripped. And he, but, but the thing is, we, and, we, and we started working out for a couple years. Every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, we'd go to the gym together. And we would set up a regimen that he, that he, would, kind of, uh, he would kind of set up based on what muscle groups we wanted to work out. And when I say what muscle groups we wanted to work out, I mean what muscle groups he told me we wanted to work out. And so we would do the regimen that he set up, and then every Tuesday and Thursday we would go running. And I hate running. Like I said, I had that little limp. Um, but here's the thing. Tim never admonished me, never, never berated me for being less fit or less strong or less fast than he was. He, he never lorded his muscles on muscles over me like the football players did. Uh, Tim was just faithful to exactly who he knew he was. And he's a consistent, kind, faith, uh, reliable, perseverant, hardworking friend. 
And, and the strength that he had made me stronger. The, the ways that he, he was strong made me stronger. That he was willing to, to partner with and, and oftentimes slow down his own pace to work with me to make me stronger affected my life forever. My friends, we were made for community. We were made to be in relationship with one another, with people outside of, of, our, of our own marriages and romantic relationships. We were made for intimate relationships. God made us to strengthen each other, to sharpen each other, to encourage, love, and see each other, to actually see. He made us to, to cast a positive vision for what life following Jesus more closely looks like. I think about it, and the vast majority of the people in the New Testament that traveled or that Jesus sent out never really traveled alone. They always had traveling companions. They always had partners. Even when they were in prison, they usually had someone with them. And I think that this is how we are supposed to live our lives, with companions, with workout partners, teammates, friends who actually recognize and see us and care for our well-being. Again, there's this very strong idea in the Western American church that says, my faith is between me and God. I call BS. I, I think that is a straight-up lie from the devil. I, yes, you, you sh I hope you have a, a personal relationship with Jesus, that you have experienced the peace and grace in, in salvation. I, yes, you, you have a unique and beautiful story like no one else's in the history of this world. But here's the thing. Your story is not just your story. There are dozens, if not hundreds and thousands of moments and people and, and conversations that you have had that, that call you, that, that name you, that, that see you, these people, these conversations, these moments in time have made you who you are today. They've brought you to where you are now. There have been so many other, others who have seen your worth, who care for you, who have had conversations with you, giving you a vision of eternal life with God, who have held you up when you were weak and whom you probably have held up when they were weak, who, you, who have loved and cared well for you, and because of their strength, you became stronger. Because of their faithfulness, you became more faithful. Um, right now, I, I'm in a certification process uh, training me to be a better pastor. And this past week, we had someone come in, and his main takeaway was that every person I partner with, mentor, coach, uh, lead, and follow are necessary for my spiritual health and depth. They are necessary for me, and I am necessary for them. Not, not, not because I'm, I'm, a, I'm a pastor, not because I'm your pastor, but because I'm a fellow follower of Jesus. I, I'm a member of his family, and I'm, I'm part of this community. And so we need each other. We are necessary for each other. And we need each other to contribute to and participate in community. 
So as the worship team comes back up, um, I love, uh, I have one task for everyone. I'd love for you to pull out your phones, take a selfie, um, no, uh, pull out your phones, open your calendar, and I want you to schedule in 10 minutes every day. Hit the repeat, hit that repeat button 10 minutes every day where you're just going to come back and read 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 11 to, t- to 18. And you're going to ask God, you're going to ask God these, these questions. Two questions. How does God want me to contribute to and participate in community? How does God want me to contribute to and participate in community? There are five verses, verses 12 to 18, that are Paul's outline. He trusts you. He trusts you to to understand what he's saying and apply it to your life, your context. And then the second question, who do I need to pair my life with in order to contribute to and participate in community with? Again, this doesn't, this doesn't need to, and I, I honestly, I would challenge you, allow this to be someone outside of your marriage. Allow this to be someone outside of your romantic relationship or your romantic interests. Allow this to be a, another relationship that you're building upon. It could mean introducing yourself to someone completely new. It could mean that out on the patio while we get coffee, you introduce yourself and invite someone to, to get coffee not at church. Uh, it, it, again, this is not a date. Don't, don't set it up as a date, please. Um, we, don't, we don't need that. But it may also mean asking someone to meet, uh, meet up every other week or so. Um, if, you, if, you need, if, you, if you feel like you need more support in your life, it might just mean meeting someone more regularly. It could mean reaching out uh, through text or email or phone, uh, phone call to ask for prayer or to offer prayer. It can mean uh, maybe God is telling you to, uh, to, join, a, to join a ministry to, to serve the, the, the quote-unquote weak, the imprisoned, the, the, uh, the homeless, the, those who are suffering. Maybe God is telling you, you need to join a small group. Uh, Maybe he's saying, uh, we, we have the Yayas, which is a group of beautifully matured women who meet every week uh, for, for years now, and they love bringing on more people into their group and sharing life together. We have the men's group, which is for men. Um, and, and Dave is trying to jumpstart that right now. And so, but if those are the small groups that, or any other small group you're interested in, you can just write that on your, on your connection card. We'll get you connected with someone. Um, but one of the ways that God, God called me in the last two years, I spent a year uh, sending text messages, text messages every night uh, to just one person who told, said, hey, we should, we should say what we're thankful for. And I took that to mean we should say what we're thankful for every day. Um, and, and so we did for, for a whole year. We, we said what we were thankful for every night before we went to sleep. I just sent out a text of that day. And that was a way that I got to participate in, in a community with one other person. And God met me there. And God changed me. God shaped me. It's one of the most formative things I've ever done in my entire life. And God changed me. And so friends, 
Brothers and sisters, I, I really want you to do this because I, I believe in you. I trust you. I trust that you will, you will encounter God as you read this scripture and as you pray and ask him for guidance, as you ask the Holy Spirit to, to guide you. And so I, I also believe that God will meet you there. As you ask him, he'll meet you. And if you're faithful, if, if, you, if you just, if you say, yes, God, I think he'll change you. I think he'll create lasting change. He'll form you to become more and more like himself. So if I could just pray for us, and, uh, and we'll end with one more song. Uh, some of you will use this as a time to prepare your, your tithes and offerings. Uh, you can also put those in the connection cards in the, back, in the box in the back after the service is done. Um, well, let me just pray for us, and, and we'll continue in worship. Father God, I, I thank you for this congregation. I thank you that, that this is a place that I can honestly say just as you are doing. That you can say just as you are doing. And God, I pray that we hear, hear your words. Hear the ways that you, say, you call us and say, you can do this more and more. You can encourage one another. You can love one another more and more. God, I pray that you shape us, that you move in us, that you, you remind us daily to spend time with you. Father, I'm just so grateful for this, for this community, for this church, the, these people. I pray that you, you move, um, that you shape us. We love you. Amen.